Ben, do you have anything to say about low sex? Nor, as everyone else likes to call it, the penis rocket. Why not? We can all give you a warm hand in your entrance. Yeah, that, that butt clenching really was awesome. We'd be absolutely terrified of anything. Um, uh, uh. Sunday, I had a good time making a ten-year-old boy cry. Have you finished playing with your bunny? Remember, this is the show where good ideas come to die. Commanders, and welcome to episode 374 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, otherwise known as Colin Ford. And joining me in the Orange Sidewinder Bar for this episode, we have our Chief Head of Health and Safety, that's Ben Mosswoodward. Good evening, Colin. How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm. I'm all over the place, as you can probably tell. We have our staff liaison officer, command, uh, commander Psychit. That is me. That is what. What I. What I am. Hi. 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 Uh, and finally, bringing up the rear, we have in human resources director, Commander Shan. Hello, Ben. You've been promoted. You're a chief head now. Or a head chief. I don't know. I, I confused one way or the other. Yeah, but that also implies that we have more than one head of health and safety. Which is probably a good thing. Well, yes, con- considering. So what does um, Ben have to do to get promoted to a chief head? I do not know. I, I guess you will have to um, You'll have to get in contact with Commander Sta- uh, Station Commander Alan Stroud, who's, who's difficult to get hold of at the moment. Is a chief head different from a cheese head? I have no idea what you're on about. Um, if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out in-game in open, I do believe, Ben? Yeah, I'm in open. I'll be coming back to live in a minute. I'm, I'm, I've been a slightly naughty boy uh, in the pre-show, and I, I was just scanning random people, and one of these random people had a bounty. So he decided he was going to shoot me. Naturally, oh, okay. I, I shot him back. Right. But then okay. all of the guards decided they were going to shoot me. So that's naturally. really annoying. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. Well, naturally, I shot the guards. Well, obviously. And exactly. And then and everybody else the... you saw and everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. No, take no witnesses. No witnesses allowed. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, uh, Reservoir Dogs, you know. No, don't kill anyone and then kill everyone. Yeah, that 
that kind of went wrong, that heist, didn't it? Doesn't every heist? True. Very true. Well, every um, heist I've ever tried, anyway. <laughs> in-game, I hasten to add. Yes. If you can't get to us in-game, you can also join us in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through com slash live. Um, and click on the live chat. Otherwise, go to twitch.tv slash laveradio. Um, right. Ben, we'll just catch up with what you're doing this week. Uh, right, so I I got my Christmas present, which was a new CPU and motherboard, so that was nice. Uh, I'm now... Um, so that was nice, but it did go off and mean that it's like, hey, you've got a... You, basically, I went off and reassembled my PC, and my PC was like, you know those hard drives that you've got installed with copies of Windows on, the, on it? Well, as far as I'm concerned, you've got no bootable drives. And, you know, that empty, unformatted drive you've got in your motherboard, well, I don't know what that's that's for either, so I'm not allowing you to do anything. So that, that meant I was basically, I've been forced to install um, Windows Windows 11. And when I did that, I was like, smeg it, I might as well. Basically, I've, I've had to nuke my entire PC and bring it back up over the weekend. Um, so hopefully my, my things will be running okay. Uh, hopefully you can see my screen. Um, but you can see something. We shall see. Yeah, you can see something. Yes. Um, right. Okay. Psychit, how have you been for the last week? I've been um, in a shocking turn of events. Mm. Um, I'm not very well. Oh. I'm not. I don't have. Um, I, I've at the moment. I'm relatively certain that I do not have COVID, but I, I am. It's very. It's. It's one where you would have like the concern that you might have COVID because of the symptoms. Gotcha. That said, that said, tests have thus far come back negative, and like I mean, I'm triple va- um, vaccinated, so I'm not concerned, as it were. Um, but other than that, I've just been feeling a bit sorry for myself and playing video games, uh, predominantly outside of Elite Dangerous. I've been playing House Flipper, which is probably one of the most zen games I've ever had the opportunity to play. And it's just so lovely. And so when I'm not shooting people in the face, I'm decorating houses. So is it like a um, you buy a house cheap and you do it up and then you try and sell it for the most money? That's the, effectively, that's part of it. There's a section of it like that. And then there's a section of it where you're um, making that money in order to buy other houses as well. And you, like doing task lists and stuff. Can you steal other people's houses and like squat in them? No. But basically, you're effectively playing a, a changing room simulator. Effectively, effectively. But there's also gardens in there as well. And I bought every single piece of the DLC because I adore it so much. It's a lot of fun. And it's quite a nice um, respite from like all of the space games. It's a really different angle. But I really like this constellation wallpaper that you can have. And when I'm <laughs> making up a room, I quite like putting up the constellation wallpaper because it's like a little nod. So it's like The Sims, but with selling houses. Because um, The Sims is all about decorating houses and stuff like that, isn't it? I, um, Not when I, I play The Sims. Uh, kind of. I, that's my favourite part of The Sims as well. So it was inevitable that I would like, I would like this game. But it's 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 really fun. It's, yeah, it's really fun and chill. Yeah, I my haven't favorite. gotten this game, but I saw something that I was very tempted by, which is basically the exact opposite of the game. Uh, it's a VR thing, and basically the whole idea is you go in there and you wreck the room. I've seen that as well. That looks really good fun as well. 
See, my favourite part of The Sims is finding inventive ways of killing them. There is a surprise. Well, there's only so many inventive ways that they can die in The Sims. Although being flattened by a vending machine is my favourite. I like letting them, them die of starvation in the toilet. Wow. Yep. That says more about you than anybody else. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. the old ones, isn't there, where they, you send them swimming in a pool and then... Yeah. And then take away the ladder. <laughs> oh. Well, that's the thing. I never, I never got into The Sims. I, know, I never really... Um, I, I think I tried Little Computer People once, which is sort of... I think that was in the Commodore 64, and thought, nah. And ever, ever since then, whenever The Sims come out, I've always thought it's just another Tamagotchi, really. Yeah, and, and uh, sorry, Cassiana and Paul Archer, I don't think you can woohoo your Sims to death. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can? Yeah, of course you can. Uh, only when they're elderly, you can um, you can shag oh, a Sim to death. A heart, a heart it's like an overexertion. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can shag a Sim to death. Oh, lovely. <sighs> Well, there we go. We're off to off to a nice start of NPC murder, which is always seems to be the way things go in live radio. Um, uh, I, t- I take it. Are you actually getting better, or is it just that it's it's absolute horrible worst at the moment? I just I just feel groggy. Like it's it's all in like you can probably hear it as I'm speaking. It's a little like my throat's a bit scratchy and stuff. I don't mm. I don't like it. I'm not keen, and I just want to be in bed and all wrapped up warm and stuff. In that case, then, we especially thank you for coming. Nah, someone's got to keep you fuckers in check. Um, one yeah, thing but are you? I know, right? <laughs> one thing I did want to add about The Sims, I'm not sure what's most disturbing, is that people making old Sims woohoo, or yeah. making the old Sims woohoo themselves to death. I'm not sure which is... Um... You can't actually make them do anything, I thought. Can you? What, make not... The Sims do something? Yeah, not directly. Not... Yeah. All right. Can you? Okay. Yeah, I just thought you controlled the environment, and then those Sims reacted to the environment. It's not like it's, it's not like that. It's like you can you you can fully control every aspect of a Sims life. Yeah, well, so according to uh, Katiana, they sometimes woohoo of their own accord. See that they do. They miss- do. That's true. That's something missing from stage from concourses and stations, isn't it? What people shagging. Yeah, just like bus stops, aren't they? <laughs> You've been... uh, so, has so basically, anyone here not seen the Expanse, um, the most recent episode of the Expanse. I've not seen any of the Expanse past season three and a half yet. Okay, so I'll just non-spoilers, but there's a beautiful scene where uh, two of the main characters are having a discussion right underneath a live nudes sign. Basically, just having this discussion right underneath the brothel, and I just—I hate to say it—but that's what that that dirty side is. What I was expecting Elite to be like, not this whole airport concourse kind of thing. Well, well I've right. the airport concourse as well, but so so far all I've side. got from all I've got from this so far is everybody wants a love lift in in the in the station. Lift taken. <laughs> Well, apparently, in the seventh, well, in, in when they started having lady astronauts, uh, there was a secret experiment to see whether woohoo was possible in space with lady astronauts. Mm. And uh, I suppose you've got all the gory details, have you? 
No, no, I don't know the results of that. By the Americans or by the Russians? It seems well, more a Russian kind of thing than an American thing. No, it wouldn't. The Americans would be well up for it. Oh, come on. The Americans, well, they're all very puritanical by publicly. Yeah, but they wouldn't show it on CNN, would they? Yeah, I just can't see their space agency saying, right, Commander A and Commander B, while you're up on the ISS, could you please shag for science? Yeah, while you're at it, try re-entry. One, <laughs> <laughs> well, don't burn up. Um, no, they would. I'm sure. It's, I'm sure it's been done. I will Google it while the show continues. Oh my god! <laughs> Again, Shan's browser history takes a hit for the team. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the subject of which, Shan, how have you been for the last week? Um, well, in get in elite game, I haven't really done much at all, really, because I've been so I've been so busy with adult, grown-up stuff, like bills and stuff. Oh, I thought but, you were talking about wooing again. No, that's why I said bills and stuff, because I knew that's where you'd go. Um, so in-game, I haven't really done much at all. Um, we did, uh, on Saturday, we did treat Hobbs to a one-fast-cat, so I've been... Um... Yes! Is that that cat wheel? That's a big wheel thing! Yes, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a cat wheel, that's about four feet wide. And you train your cat to run on it like a hamster wheel. So he's How getting he used to it. it. Is he enjoying it? Well, you have to kind of ascertain, is your cat food motivated or toy motivated? And he's very much food motivated. So we've got him <laughs> some sliced chicken, which he only has when he's on the wheel. And we started off by giving him a little bit of chicken when you put all four paws on the wheel. And then you put the, <clears throat> the chicken just above his head. So he has to run and walk for it. Um, so... And today we had a bit of a breakthrough in that we used the laser toy as well as the chicken, and he was running full on in it until he forgot himself and uh, stopped and span off the wheel. <laughs> Please tell me you got videos of this. Uh, not yet, but I can make it happen anytime I want. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, a cat on a wheel while drinking catnip tea. I, I haven't, and I haven't injected it with catnip tea yet. Oh dear! The uh, one fast cat wheel. Ex, um, extinguish the cat budget for the month, so he's going to have to wait for cat anything. Fair enough. Um, okay, well, let's see. What have I been up to? Well, um, my obsession with the remastered version of Mass Effect has again hit my elite playing time. Um, we did manage to get a little bit of uh, elite time in yesterday uh, after flying about in a in a Star Trek simulator with, I don't know, some, some nerdy wells. Um, unfortunately I did do a bit of exploring in my, uh, uh, my cutter. Um, the problem was, is that it's been a little bit of a while since I actually, um, uh, flew that ship and I forgot how much it drifts. So as I was doing a Canyon run for the laugh of it, turned a corner and slowly drifted into the side of the canyon um, and thus reduced my poor clipper to 5% hull from 100% and being stuck several 7,000 light years from um, from home not a good idea let me just say that so I am currently limping to Rouhani uh, station in order just to repair my clipper Hopefully, I'll get there at some point. I swear you said cutter. I thought you said cutter first. I was like, why are you canyon running in a cutter, you mad lad? (laughs) 
Well, at least if you crash, you'd bounce off with the shield being so strong, so be all right. Yeah. Did I say cutter? Was... You said cutter. Um, oh, Did dear. Cutter? Did you mean cutter? Oh, you know what? I can't remember now. All, all I can know is I've got the my great front... big F off. Um... No, it's the medium one. Okay, the medium one. That's the clipper then. Uh, okay, sorry. I got my clipper then. I cut a clipper. I get this. This is the sign of my old age now. By the way, I have a. If you're in Glasgow, you'd already be dead. By the way, I have a science update on what we were talking about earlier. A science update. Okay, go on then. Well, according to the Guardian um, newspaper, in an article mm-hmm. on January uh, 2010, so a few years old, um, there was a confidential uh, report, NASA report, on the space station mission. And a project called STS-XX was to explore certain positions possible in the weightless atmosphere. Uh, they did 20 positions were tested by computer simulation to obtain the best 10. And then two guinea pigs then tested them in real zero-G conditions. The results were videotaped were considered so sensitive that even NASA was only given the sensitive versions. Now, apparently, only four positions were found possible without mechanical assistance, the other six needed a special elastic belt in an inflatable tunnel like an open-ended sleeping bag. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> so four, four out of ten <laughs> four out of ten woohoo's working in zero gravity. I mean, we know, I suppose, that there are NASA husband and wife couples, for example. But it's just NASA porn for science. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the article says, Mr. Kola says one of the principal findings was the classic so-called missionary position, which is so easy on Earth, when gravity pushes one downwards, is simply not possible. So there we are. We've had, we've had a smoke corner already. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Lay radio being classy as ever. <laughs> It was science. Did I make it slutty? Yeah, yeah. No. No, no. No, it, you're quite right. It's, it's, it is of scientific interest, especially since we're all going to be in space and all of a sudden Ben wants, um, I don't know. The movie um, time. Yeah, he, he wants, um, he wants basically Amsterdam in space, don't you? Well, according to the Guardian, according to the Guardian article, that is why. It was the experiment was performed because the thought being was that humans are going to have to procreate in space, and obviously they need to know which parts is it possible for humans to procreate in space. So it was a valid experiment. Yeah, it turns out we really do need gravity. <laughs> well, that's maybe that's why they, they they have these spinning sections on generation ships. Well, yeah, of course it is. They they have to create the gravity somehow. That's where all all the people live is in these in the spinning sections. And they... <laughs> Jonathan Tito says in chat it proves that anything is possible with bungee cords and duct tape. <laughs> half the pro half the space program wouldn't exist without duct tape. <laughs> ah dear. Right, let's pop along to the development news. Well, let's be honest. There's been hardly anything on the forums since. Sally posted about the uh, the patch. It's, it's like we've scared them all away. Now it's been a week and a bit. It's, it's been a week and a bit. We've had Paul um, saying that they are alive. In well, a some definition way. of a life. Some definition of a life. That's uh, only because he's a necromancer. That's all. <laughs> Necrom. Oh right. Okay. And um, 
<laughs> the other thing was he, he said that they were having trouble uploading stuff for Stellar Screenshots. Um, so mm, I, I'm going to quickly go around the team. Is this silence worrying any of you yet? Well, it's just Christmas, isn't it? I expect they tr- they try to uh, get a status of where they think the game is in order to pull certain triggers to start yeah. getting stuff going. And the CG, which I'm sure we'll come to, was a big success. So maybe they figure the C- with the enthusiasm for the CG, they want to keep their powder dry for a minute. Um, hmm. I must admit, although I must, if you go onto the forums, it's certainly a case of uh, where is everybody? Questions are being asked already. <laughs> um, the other bit of, well, it's not technically development news. Um, the interim results and trading update for Frontier itself came out on the 12th of January. And I'm afraid to say um, it didn't, it, it, it didn't actually make good reading, did it? Um, I think this, the summary was overall the company lost a, a was it a million and a half pounds, which considering the size of that company, it could have been a lot worse. But they they took two hits, one obviously with Odyssey, and the other one being Jurassic World, or Jurassic, uh, not performing as well as they'd hoped, uh, mostly because the film moved back and didn't release at the same time as the game. So. Um, yeah, Shan, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I've got a few really. I mean, the uh, people have been equating the the uh, the loss with the drop in share price, and there is a linkage, but it's not necessarily down to the same thing. Um, one thing I did find interesting, and we talked about it a few shows ago, was that the interim report made no mention of console release. Mm, on, that's right. On, on, on Elite. And we were speculating, does that mean it's not coming um, within the scope of that that forecast? And that, for me, is actually more worrying than the loss, the fact it wasn't mentioned to Mark Allen. Because no. I, I, I would have thought, thought if they wanted to boost the share price and try and get some of the loss they made early last year back again, they would say, hey, we're doing the console release and it's it's going to be third quarter 22 or something like that and it would then start thinking, oh frontier are getting better and it, it would give a positive vibe yeah. to to the news and the fact it was missing i thought was quite interesting yeah um they are still quite a catch at cash rich company at the moment they've still got sort of like 33 million pound in reserve so the you know they, they can certainly weather the the loss for this year but um yeah um, their exact quote was, Elite Dangerous experienced a difficult calendar year to, uh, different, <laughs> uh, following the disappointing launch of the major Odyssey expansion in May. We continue to support the game and our passionate players with development updates, and we have seen an upturn in player sentiment as a result. How do you measure that? Well, we can't. <laughs> the closest thing we've got is, of course, the Steam charts. Uh, the good news about the Steam charts is they are still continuing to rise. So it's even higher than it was last week. So Update 9 does seem to have um, allowed people to be able to play Odyssey, or people are coming back to playing Elite, uh, so much so that it's now level with No Man's Sky on Steam charts. So um, that's a that's a positive. Yes, yeah, Stuart GT, sorry, reminded me in chat. Um, 
the Warhammer game has been pushed back as well. It has, which may yes. well have, which may well have affect their cash flow, and could be a reason why. Maybe maybe they're expecting the Warhammer game to be out earlier. I don't know, but I, I don't think it's worth hitting the panic button yet and say all frontiers doomed. They're going to be bought out by Microsoft. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't think it's anywhere near that. But I, I think what it will hopefully do is give Frontier pause for thought, look at what didn't work, go well in 2021, yep. and work harder in 2022 to put it right. Yeah. I mean, they've got the uh, the F1 management game coming out. Uh, that one, that one, I think, if they've... If, if they combine their expertise in management games with F1, they're onto a winner because it'll be like football manager, but with cars, which uh, I know ticks quite a lot of people's boxes, a lot more than uh, it, uh, people expect. Uh, and also they've added another 250 people uh, to the uh, uh, to their staff. So they've now got 745 people working for them. So they, you know they've expanded by what fifty <laughs> percent almost, and uh, only lost that amount in a COVID environment. I, not as bad as it could be, anyway. Uh, um, I think Ben wanted to say something. Yeah, ben, go. I was just wondering: Do we know if the Steam charts can identify and differentiate between people playing Odyssey and people playing No Beyond now? Nope, it just it just logs that oh this person has launched Elite Dangerous. That's it. Yeah, I'd be interested hmm. to find that find out the percentage of take up on Odyssey uh, from the active player base. I guess the question a question is is of those people who have Odyssey, how much do you play Horizons instead of Odyssey, and why? I can well, safely say I've never booted into Horizons same. apart from having to do. Um, Couple of fuel rat runs. Mm. The, uh, the only time I did it was moving, like when the um, community goal sign up wasn't working, and then I'd go back to back to Odyssey to complete the community goal once I'd signed up for it in Horizon. Uh, the only time I go uh, into Horizons is when I want to a play in VR uh, or b um, I'm playing with my power play commander, so I'm actually in Horizons at least once twice a week and um yeah i mean i've I've been landing on planets left right and center and comparing them and things like that and i know i'm in the minority but i prefer the odyssey um planet tech but that's probably mostly because i'm landing on the atmospheric planets which you can't do obviously in horizons and i find the the atmospheric planets to be far far more interesting than anything that's in in horizons which like I, I don't said. think you're in the minority, Colin. I don't. In in enjoying in enjoying Horizons or oh, sorry, in enjoying Odyssey um vistas more than um Horizons. I honestly don't. Yeah, um I know I do know that there is a uh there are more interesting planets using the old engine than the new one. Uh but oh no, hang on. That, that how how can I put this? There, in in general, there are more interesting planets uh, out there, but you've got to look for them. You know, the ones discovered by Alec Turner and and uh, some of the really deep canyon ones; those are missing from Odyssey. 
But apart from that, generally I've found the landscaping to be better in, in Odyssey than in Horizons. Does that make sense? I'm not quite sure whether being articulate enough at the moment. I think I get where you're coming at. I mean, it sounds, <clears throat> whilst we all love permission, things like that, mm-hmm. it was definitely an outlier, and it was probably a bug. Yeah, but I, the one thing I do play in Horizons exclusively is VR, because um, as much as the improvements they've put in, it's just VR is completely impossible in uh, in Odyssey for me. So, mostly down to my hardware setup. I don't. I don't know how about anybody else. I was playing Odyssey in VR the other day, and that was okay, that was okay for me. But mm. obviously, you know, the second you step out of your ship, then you're you're in a flat. You're in Pancake Land in VR, which is weird and bizarre. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jane Tracks, our friend Jane Tracks, is over at uh, Loose Screws. Um, he is now back in Odyssey, thanks to uh, a gift that someone gave him. Um, and he was comparing the the VR experience in Odyssey and in, uh, uh, in Horizons. And the ironic thing was, is that he, he got used to the, the flat screen, but he didn't like it because it, it is too jarring. But some of the planetary, the new planetary tech, when you're actually flying over it in VR, looks fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's just a case of, I think, I need to upgrade my machine. Or rather, update my graphics card, but I don't see that happening with any of the prices anytime soon. Okay, um, shall we move on to the in-game events? Yes, let's do that. Yes. Okay, Inven- in-game events, what has actually been happening this week? Well, on the 12th of January, 23308, uh, the Burnham Report came out and dismantled Aegis. It's gone. The the uh, uh, the the agency has been completely disbanded. Ada Tanner, the uh, the admiral in charge of it, has been found guilty and discharged from the uh, federal navy. Uh, and on top of that, the new head of the uh, uh, federal navy is trying to decide what to do with him. He says sentencing will happen at some later point. However, they are going to be investigating uh, the findings that Ramtar had before making a decision. Um, obviously, on the 13th of January, the third phase of the Brewer Corporation's Colonial Bridge was complete, um, according to a recent in- uh, announcement. Uh, this means, of course, um, well, I think it'll, the uh, new stations will be coming online next week, won't they? Because they're not in the system yet. They're not. Did we get confirmation of that? I can't, I got, I can't remember. I got I, I got the weirdest feeling that it was going to be on the 24th or something like that. So sometime next week. Uh, ben was desperate, Colin. Okay, Ben. Does anyone else feel Aegis is dead, long live Aegis? Well, I was going to come on to that later on because there's been some news released today. But we might as well cut uh, touching it, um, because on today, all three superpowers have gone and created their own kind of mini-Aegis. So um, the Federal Navy has set up a new strike force. Um, the Alliance, well, which we'll touch on, they've got their own arrangements. And um, <clears throat> good old Senator Petraeus has now gone and set up his own increased funding for the uh, Imperial Navy. Um, however... 
Professor Elbart Tresu, who is the gentleman who um, helped Ramtar find all the issues with the Guardian tech that Salvation was using, uh, has set up his own... Um, well, there's the Xenological Research Laboratories, which he's in charge of, uh, and they will um, share information between those three agencies um, in order to help them fight Thargoids. So, I don't know, Ben, I don't think... You know what this strikes me of? This is... This reminds me when you lose an XCOM. Hmm. <laughs> were, you, were you thinking of that? I was thinking something, you know, the need for a overarching anti-Thargoid agency exists still. Mm. So, you know, whilst we maybe don't exactly trust Aegis anymore, it filled a role, and that role hasn't gone away, and I don't think that independent government or mega government or whatever the hell you want to call things mm -hmm. would have as much luck as pooling everyone's resources. Yeah, um, I've got my own opinion on this, but uh, Shan, do you want to go first? I was just thinking it sounds like one of those uh, late 1980s spy movies with the CIA, KGB, and the Chinese have to get together to defeat someone. Oh, it's like that film uh, that... Um... Oh, it's 100, not 137. Is it 137 or something? There's a new film anyway that's coming out by a, that's all the best female agents, and it's coming out in cinemas soon, apparently. At three three five. I knew I knew some numbers. Yeah, psychic. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. All the best female agents. I instantly <laughs> went to Google straight away to go and have a look at it. Oh, sorry. Um. <laughs> um I have, I have like a real, I have a real crackpot theory that Nicholas Glass is salvation, and um, I don't know why I cannot get rid of this fact. <laughs> However, I think that um, they're going to try and make salvation fill the role of of like this overarching, and then have maybe a fight options for for fighting in fighting between. Um, anti-Xeno people from different um, different areas and then fighting between Salvation and uh, the federal um, stuff that's commissioning further in investigation into them. I'm really excited about this. I think it's a really interesting way to take that Salvation story and the whole Aegis thing, because Aegis was, was dead in the water. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Aegis... <sighs> Aegis didn't have a good reputation because, first of all, everyone thought it was Inra. Uh, it was just in a reborn when it obviously wasn't. And secondly, I did notice that it took a big reputation hit, which technically was Frontier's fault, not really theirs, was when they had to um, alter the missile strength <laughs> because people were killing Thargoids too early in the plot. Does anyone remember that? Vaguely. Vaguely. It was, yes, it was one of the rewards, wasn't it, from the CG? Yeah, from one of the CG, they were advancing the plot by basically you do these CGs, at the end of the CGs, you got anti-Thargoid weaponry or yes, you yes, helped yes. research. Uh, well, the first lot, the missiles that came out, um, they were far, far too strong. I think they'd, they'd put the missile strength at 2.0 instead of 0.2. And, and uh, basically you could wipe out a, a, a Thargoid Cyclops with uh, Araka missiles not quickly, but significantly faster than you can presently if you were using missiles. And um, 
yeah, when they took that away, people weren't happy. And uh, yeah, a couple of the CGs didn't work, which kind of fed into the fact, fell into the feeling that maybe Aegis was a rubbish agency because surely they'd have a better way of doing it. But yeah, that's 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 going back into ancient history now. And anyway, uh, from the stream is Alba Tressla, uh, Tress, Tressero, a woman, uh, Grippy Gecko, thinking they, they are. Oh, right, fair enough. Um, I have no As, idea. I would say Alba's a feminine name, but I don't know. Hmm. I guess we'll find out. It's a unisex given name of Latin origin, meaning white. Wow, Alba. that sounds very diverse. I, ne- I never knew that. It's primarily female. It's primarily female, so likely would be um, would be female. But um, there, it's more. It's more. There are men that are called Alba, but it's it's more likely that it would be a female name. And as Katiana says, quite rightly, doesn't even matter. So, uh, now that the Colonial Bridge has now been enhanced, uh, the other thing that's happened is that this week we have a mine-off. Um, Kane Macy and Toval Mining Limited are running rival campaigns to determine the mine commodities in the Dulos system. I don't think we've had a good mining CG in quite a while. Um, so, always a good one. On the 14th of January, Prime Minister Edmund Mahon has invited Sirius Corporation to, an es- to establish a permanent presence within the Alliance, including a place on the coveted Council of Admirals. Um, this is also part of the uh, Alliance's response to the fact that Aegis has been wound up, so they've got their own anti-Thargoid stroke advanced technology branch, which uh, they're going to rely on. And, of course, on the 17th, uh, the Senate has blocked any act investigation. Um, There are claims that the Imperial Senate is preventing efforts to examine a potential link between the Empire Security Network and the NMLA. So, uh, yeah, that's that's happening. Um, this week, uh, Operation Ida are working on fixing Titan's daughter. Now, that's one of the prettiest station locations I've ever found, uh, and that's in, in the Pleiades. And, of course, the AXI are, according to their website, Thargoid.watch, that are, have got their usual three priorities. We've got HIP 17497. Uh, that's... Uh, that's in the Pleiades. And the second priority in the Witch Head is the Muscat Dark Region PJ-P B6-1. And uh, as usual, the third priority is Evangelis, which always always seems to be there with just a slight Thargoid presence. Uh, They haven't managed to shuff that one yet. Um, I must admit, I am quite relieved to still see that the, the plot is continuing. Um, I find it quite reassuring that the plot's still there. Uh, what do you think this week? Do you think it's uh, excited about future developments? I'm excited about um, future underhand anti anti Xeno activities and more depth and um, more investigation into salvation. Very excited about that. Excellent. Uh, Shan? I was just thinking while listening to this how perhaps we should have an alternate stream, plot stream. Because at the moment, it's very much focused on kill Thargoids, kill Thargoids, kill Thargoids. 
I would like a plot stream, even if it's just sort of in Galnet to start off with, where there's a group of people who want to make love, not war. I don't mean literally. I mean... Um, I, mean who again. I said... I just said not literally. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, when Star Wars first came out, there was a, quite a, a push towards, can we make peaceful contact? Can we uh, interact with them without shooting them and things like that? I, yep. I think it's kind of got to the point where maybe a strand or plot threads along that line to even go anywhere mm. would be quite an interesting development. Well, that was, of course, was one of the reasons why Aegis was shut down because um, the, one of the reasons they uh, they said Aegis was not fit for purpose was because they were too busy trying to um, find ways to communicate with the Thargoids rather than actually blow them up. Uh, that's that's what uh, Professor Alba was all all about, apparently. So, I mean, looking at the the Thargoid activity at the moment, we've got what one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve systems which still have a Thargoid presence, which was is obviously um, a long way down than there was before Christmas. So I would think, you know, they would possibly think about, well, actually, we're not going to get them by the front door. We would be a bit sneaky about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with the. Uh, with the multi-agency approach that's going to happen. Uh, but I do know that one of the reasons we got XCOM 2 the way it was, was because everybody lost at XCOM 1. Uh, and I'm scared that we will soon be welcoming our Thargoids overlords. Well, I don't think so. I mean, I've never, th- I've never really thought a Thargoid invasion and takeover of the bubble was ever on the cards because from a gameplay perspective, Frontier have put far too much effort into A, the new player experience, and B, the way the bubble works to possibly burn it down. Um, I could be wrong, but I would have I would have thought they would have at least hinted that's possible by now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I completely agree with that. Um, I remember around about the time when the Thargoids first appeared, there was an awful lot of people that were excited or all saying, oh, right, excellent, they're going to burn the bubble, they're going to burn the bubble. And I was looking at them going, no, they're not. They've put too much effort into building it. They're not going to knock it down. Can you imagine, like, all of the player groups who have worked, like, the really BGS-focused player groups who have worked so hard to, like, maintain their little sections of the bubble and then have it all just like burnt down frontier would never do it those are the people who log on every day to make sure that the um make sure that their factions are doing what they're doing you know there's not a chance yeah i know it's uh it would be risk it it would be a, a good um how should i put it uh Plot twist. It would it would certainly throw the cat amongst the pigeons, but I don't see them doing it either. It's just it'd be oh <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, everyone has gone. Ben, as Stuart GT is saying, hundreds of systems could be burned without affecting the starter system, and I suspect hundreds of systems could also be burned without affecting any player groups. I would be very surprised that. if that was the case. You think? Yeah, yeah. How many of the? Well, it's proximity to um, player groups, isn't it? 
you know, stepping stone systems, I think, that maybe were sides going, because that's where I was going when I was Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many, there, there were so many, like when, when we picked our area, uh, of the area that we went wanted to go, yeah. um, since then there's been like four other player groups that have appeared within like stepping stone distance of us, you know. So it's not, um, I don't think the galaxy is, oh, sorry, the bubble is as um unpopulated as you might think as far as like player factions are concerned i think it's getting harder and harder to find a qualifying area i mean uh, people have argued for ages that um uh, what they need to do is condense the players into a, a smaller area i don't i don't think they need to do that but um as long as they keep on stuff like community goals which basically f- focuses players where you can still get huge groups like like we had with the CG last week, I think I think we don't need to redraw the lines of the bubble at all. But I guess that's just me. Anyway, uh, what we're going to do is we Hold will... On, Colin. Oh, go on. Sorry, I was... Um, you've a couple of things you said about condensing player groups. Well, I don't definitely don't think that's the objective because the Colonia Bridge actually extends and strings out the players. If they wanted to condense the players, they wouldn't have done the Colonia Bridge. Um, the second point, and uh, I'm sure it will come on to this, so prime your glasses ready, uh, but uh, Guild Wars 2 did something quite <laughs> quite different because the main one of the main hub towns in Guild Wars 2 was a place called Lion's Arch. And when the game was first released, it, was, it looked very different to how it is now. And the part of an ongoing story, ArenaNet actually destroyed Lion's Arch, and the whole thing was like burning wreckage, and you couldn't really get to it without being burnt for some months, actually. And then there was a series of events where you then had to rebuild Lion's Arch. And that's about the closest I can think of as to a game actually destroying the starter area. Um, And that, I thought, was a very courageous thing for them to do, to wipe out a main hub and have players and try and rebuild it. Uh, apparently, Katiana is saying that she audibly sighed to that. <laughs> so, so, so her husband asked, are you okay, well, dear? Katiana, go and play it. Go and look up on it. And it, it was quite a courageous Yeah, she'd decision. never play that. Don't, don't. She'd never, she'd never play that. It's not a game for gay. Nope. <laughs> I have to admit, though, I, mean, I do think, if, for sake of argument, a bunch of player run... You know, let, let's say, you know, I know Max listening, Dan downstairs, if EIC's homeworld were to find itself on fire, I bet you the EIC would rally around and get their station repaired up ASAP and do that to a few places like, I don't want to go off and put the truckers in the middle of it, but, you know, do that to Hudson Orbital, say, and I bet you front, uh, Elite Dangerous' player numbers are going to go up. So would you want them to destroy Hutton Orbital, for example? So not destroy, but not, not destroy. Or- but... Or have an engine malfunction. So just as you're going towards it, it starts drawing away from you. See, or forever trying to catch. <laughs> it. You know, get it so that you need to repair a faction's home base. I bet you, you know, that, that's going to get your player numbers up through the roof. I'd imagine. Yeah. Okay, second. So make it achievable. Wasn't there a time when when the Thargoids were beginning to make their way into more populated space? Um, this is this is um, a little while back, but wasn't there a time when the trajectory that they were taking was um, 
heading in the direction of Seoul. Is that yes, not right? Yeah, yeah that was. Yeah, and then and then suddenly they just it just completely oh, they went oh we 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 bought we beat the Fargoids they've they've gone back. Yeah. It would have, in my opinion, it I would have really liked to have seen Soulburn because. As a as one of those systems, like uh, like a permit locked system, it has no um, there's no player factions in there to get really angry about it. But also, um, it has a connection to every other single person in the um, in the galaxy. Every other single um, human being in the galaxy will be able to trace their roots back to Seoul. And I thought that was, well, as that was happening and as that was starting, I was like, that would be really baller. If FDEV had the, the stones to do that, I thought that would be excellent. Yeah, I mean, you could go, well, you could go and take that, but also, you know, get rid of, you know, go off and target Sirius, go and target Aegis's home system. Or, hell, all the home systems of all the factions, apart from the Alliance. Because the Alliance, well, are the Alliance. Well, they were nice. They're maybe not so nice now. Um, well, if I remember rightly, when when the Thargoids first attacked, what happened was they split off into two prongs of attack, and they both went, uh, and one was heading towards Akinar, and the other one was heading towards Sol. And they got, I think, within 400 light years of each. And then, for some reason, that all kind of stopped. And then, I think, Interstellar Initiatives came along. It just came. I think a lot of people were getting tired of um, shooting down Thargoids at that point. Yeah, I always kind of wondered: is you know, you've got a species that's millions of years older than humanity that can apparently leap across a galaxy in a single bound, and we can get fleet carriers that jump five hundred light years. So why would they suddenly decide? Oh, actually, Sol's a bit far away. Why wouldn't they just go and gank Sol right away? didn't really make sense. Either that or they don't. Well, we've we've had no indication that they know where Sol, Akin are, and um, uh, oh, what's what's the one for the alliance called? Alioth. Alioth. That was it. I, we've got no indication that the Thargoids actually know where those systems are because there's never been an attack in them. But um, that's a bit of a stretch, I think, though. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, as there is actually no newsletter again, um, do we want the store alert song?
Depressurization alert. Warning. Depressurization alert. Warning. Depressurization alert. Warning. Depressurization alert. Warning. Depressurization alert. Astrogator Tours. Put some excitement back in your life. Walk an adventure in the Lave Business Department. Now. Want to tour the frontier? Travel with Colmac Reeve and our new fleet of passenger Starliners. We've opened up the universe for a range of budgets. Option one, luxury. My husband and I like to travel in comfort. The new luxury cabins were like a home away from home. After all, one's home is a castle. Option two, first class. We'd saved up a bit for a really special trip. The first class cabins were like Nothing we've travelled in before. Really luxurious. Option three, travel cabin. We would a trip with Cormac Reeves' monthly lotto. A travel cabin for two on a Starliner around the solar system. Once in a lifetime for us, simply amazing. Option four, basic accommodation. Me and my mates just wanted to hitch around the universe. It's so great that we have the option of getting a really cheap cabin to see the sights. It saved us loads. And for the budget conscious and slaves, we have our cheapest option yet. Well, I needed it. And we won't sell any of those frozen passengers into slavery, I promise. Colmac Reeves All Budget Tours. Seeing the galaxy from luxury to freezing tubes. And welcome back. Um, now, we've, we'll, we've got a different kind of main topic today um shan discovered uh, a fantastic youtube uh discussion uh called the quit moment which is done by joss strife hayes and we'll put the link to this uh this discussion in the uh, uh in the show notes um and the the title was why players quit mmos uh and just quickly to summarize, there seem to be about th- five areas where uh, people had major points in, you know, their tipping point for an MMO where they just went, nope, not doing it anymore. Uh, and it was basically a, a kind of warning to game designers that if you want to keep your players, these are the, these are the, the major pitfalls that you you want to avoid. Um, the, there are five, uh, and then uh, that we can talk about, uh, and we'll talk about it in relation to Elite Dangerous and other MMOs as well. So we're not <laughs> everybody else. Get your Guild War Two's glasses charged because I, I think that'll come up a couple, couple of times. But uh, first of all, there's not obvi- the fact that Shan hasn't quit Guild Wars Two as he keeps telling us. I, you know, actually, this is an interesting point before we carry on with this. Shan, are you still an active Guild Wars 2 player? It depends on how you mean by active. Do I play it every day? No. Do I play it every week? Yes. That's active to me. I mean, what, what do you consider an active player? It, that's a very subjective question, isn't it? Because I, I guess in my mind there are there are several phases in which when you play a game you can go through and it's not and this is for me it's going to be different for other people but you have that initial kind of i bought the game and then you 
you can play it and play it and play it mm-hmm. every minute you have spare. And then once you've reached a certain level, it then becomes to, I need to learn more about the mechanics. I need to push more into the content. I need to uh, build a reputation or whatever it is you do. And then there's a kind of, well, I feel as I've been there, done that. And then the amount of time you play slowly subsides until something else comes along. So with me with Guild Wars 2, though, it's about the community, you know, because I've got a quite a large sort of guild of about 400 people on there still. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about the community and the people who are there that keep me coming back to the game, not necessarily the game mechanics. Right. Um, I've got to ask, I mean, are you still managing that guild or are you just sort of um, helping out? Well, I mean, I've got, thankfully, I've got a good group of officers and minions um who real real people this time though yeah real people who actually you know they uh they help people they do events and so the stuff i need to get involved in is not day-to-day e-drama stuff anymore it's much more of a oh we're doing we're doing a this event do you want to come along shan yeah i'll come along or arena net who have launched this new set of uh living world content which they do every three or four months it's, it's out next week. Shall we get together and just go and do the content? That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, well, yes. Yeah, so I, I know Psyche has been having uh, fun with uh, Eve at the moment. So we'll be obviously touching it on, on that. Uh, but the five phases that uh, are real big uh, hitting points apparently are um, A, sign up. B, tutorials to begin with. Um, C, how should we put this? Well, let's go and easy. Gankers and seal clubbers. New player experience, maybe? <laughs> Depends on the MMO. Griefing. Griefing. Yeah. Griefing. Um then there's which is let's let's point let's let's separate it quickly. Okay, we're not on about PvP. We're on basically yeah. Experienced players picking on new. I stick I stick my head out in the world and all of a sudden I get hit for over nine thousand. Yeah. Uh we have obviously the reputation of the game and also long term play. Uh so first thing off sign up. Now the obvious thing about the sign up is if you make the sign up too difficult, then uh people are just not going to even bother playing your game. Uh, a prime example of this, actually there's two prime examples of this, is you have um, Final Fantasy XIV, which has been actually impossible to sign up for for the last month. <laughs> you have masses of tutorials telling you how to actually sign up for the game. Does that does that make anybody want to sign up for Final Fantasy XIV? Uh, no, but also I think the example the chat used on the YouTube video was where you have to download a billion gigabytes of patches and fixes to your operating system and the game just to even get it to start. It's that sort of faffing around. Mm-hmm. I think that makes people, oh, I won't bother with this. Yeah, I must admit, I have, I have had that issue with SOTOR at the moment. I'm sort of... I haven't logged into it for a year. I've still got an account. I still remember enjoying playing the game. It says it's now a year, and I'm scared of waiting for the patch bar. <laughs> uh, and they've probably gone in. Well, well, we'll touch on this later on, actually. Would you put Star Citizen in that? Because I know 
that's quite a big download and when they put a patch out it wasn't straightforward it didn't it like even even like the 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 sign up now um i i didn't really because i got gifted the game i didn't really understand what i was like getting when i joined the page it wasn't overly clear but actually the download i i'm quite fortunate with the speed of my internet so the download wasn't particularly particularly difficult but um i know if i were likely if i was to open it today i would i would very likely have an uh, have another patch and another download but is that not the nature of an alpha or yes. whatever it, it says it is <laughs> well, um, well we're not going to we're not going to uh, touch on that um can of worms ben I just think, I mean, I've, I've obviously, I've, over the past weekend, I've had to go off and install Elite, Star Citizen, um, New World, um, RimWorld, Roblox, Minecraft. Oh, my God. Because, um, yeah, basically, I nuked my entire PC apart from my personal data. Um, so, I've basically, I've gone off and, and OBS and various other things. The thing that actually gets me the most is... The installers, they go off and say, I'm installing Visual, uh, Visual, um, what's it called again? The Direct Visual Studio, Not, Visual uh, Studio 2008 plus plus distribution. Yeah, ex- all that Visual Studio distribution crap. It's like, mm-hmm. I've got the 2018 one. I've got the 2016 one. I've got the 2010 one. Why the chuffing hell do I need it again? And not only that, I'm running <laughs> Windows 11 64-bit. Why the hell do I have to have both the 2012 64 and 32-bit versions of the same bloody thing. On the bright side, none of the games I need now, I'm playing now anyway, need games for Windows. Yeah. I, I think the main problem that you've got there, and we'll probably touch on this, is that these games, a lot of these games have been going for a long time, and there's a lot of legacy code in oh, there, yeah. and they're scared to remove it. The other thing that actually really grinds my goat about all these installers mm-hmm. is when it's like, no, please, I want to install things there. Don't go off and install Elite Dangerous in at home. <laughs> Seriously, what the hell are you thinking about? I've got a lovely SSD drive. It's sitting there. It's it's waiting for you. Why the hell are you installing it in my on my home directory? Ben? Yeah, I yeah. Is, is it is it too soon for us to be having this discussion when this is already fresh in your mind? Because it feels like it's coming from a genuine place of that right now. <laughs> uh, to, to be honest, it was actually Roblox that got me. Um, I was like, no, I don't want it was, uh, Roblox. Is I can only install it on the through Games for Windows. Apparently, not Games for Windows. I can only install it through the Microsoft Store. Ooh. And it wouldn't have let me install it on my C drive. Um, it wouldn't let not. It wouldn't let me install it on my in my games drive. It was insisting that for whatever reason I had to install it on my C drive. And I only have to play Roblox for my bloody son anyway. <laughs> Two words then: oh. symbolic link. Yeah. Well, uh, you do the MK link junction command. Yeah. The other thing I was going to bring up and um, was yeah. about server queues. And also the architecture that relates. Because I remember when oh, I got I got Star Wars when it first came out, and you used to have to wait two or three hours, if not longer, just to get on because 
people queuing to get on the server. Then you get disconnected, and you then have to wait all over again to to, to get that. And the other one I I found annoying was again, it's all the patching, and you you download the game, you get it from the CD or whatever it was, and you download it, and then you find out you have six years worth of patches. To do before you can even start the game. Now, I'm sorry, Katiana, you're going to get shattered at it again, but Guild Wars 2 did something very <laughs> clever for that, and we're talking about another game, so this is allowed. So, Anyway, Guild Wars 2, what that did is um, when you logged in, it allowed, if you like, generated a temporary server that you went to, like an overflow, and you could play your character and do everything you wanted to do in this overflow server and then when a spot became free on your proper server it says do you want to change to that and you put yes and you immediately you're on your proper server with everything all your progress saved and everything so it, it completely eliminated server queues the other thing Google 2 does quite well and i think other games do it now as well is it will only download a certain amount and then it'll say okay you can play the game and i'll do the rest in the background and that just helps alleviate this. Now, unfortunately, Elite is one of those older fashion games which doesn't allow you to only download a certain amount and then play the game. You have to go through and download the whole update and do the whole thing um, before you, you can play it. The other thing I, I still don't really understand why they don't do it more is in Guild Wars 1, you could play the game and you could do it as long as, long as you want even though there was an update, and it would only actually do the update when you logged out and logged back in again. So you could do a whole evening's worth of play, and there'd been a patch at, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, but you could still play with your mates and everything else like that, and you didn't have to patch until you wanted to, and the game servers kept running in the background. Well, I I will say, uh, in Elite's defence, thankfully, that... um, the sign-up is actually very, very painless. Uh, it, it's not like um, Lord of the Rings Online, where um, uh, the, the guy was trying to sign up to Lord of the Rings Online and nothing was working and he had to download patches and he was there for two hours just patching the process so that he could actually sign up. I mean, that's a, you've, you're not going to get that many players actually go through that pain. Uh, and also, thankfully, we don't have server queues in Elite Dangerous because of the the um, because of its architecture. Um, would you include waiting to get into an instance? Though, would that be a, a server queue? Well, I I haven't waited a couple of hours in a Breben tunnel to get into an instance. I don't know about you, Shan, but I don't think I've got that level. Well, I was just thinking amount of faffing around. Say, you and you and Ben are in an instance, and you're outside in a Shinrata Desert or a lave or something and I want to come and join in with you, I may have to keep logging, logging back in again, super cruising in and out, just to try and get into the same instance as you. That's where I was coming from. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's the main problem with the architecture. Now, normally that I haven't actually had a problem. Normally, if I've, won, if I've created a wing with people, I've been able to get into the same instance as them. And I think there's only been two occasions where I haven't been in the same instance as people I wanted to. And that's out, that's out of hundreds of encounters. I guess that's I one other side for not as many players playing the game at the moment. 
<laughs> Either that or not having as many friends as I used to have. <laughs> in in live chat, give Colin a hug and tell him you're his friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what you want. False false sympathy right here. What was that Ty Kip we were saying? I'd like to order that Lay Radio uh, ton of sympathy, please. What did they say? Oh, I remember us discussing that um, the new rare good at Lave Station should be actually Simbi. One ton of Simbi. Oh, okay, cup. <laughs> yeah. Talking about just bumping into random people, I've just bumped into Commander Alexix, who I know was at least listening to us on the live stream, uh, and he's now just looking out over the, the balcony in Lave Station. Oh, that's nice of him. Yeah. I saw someone, and I'm going to uh, run just past him and go to the bar. Yeah, good, good plan. Well, <laughs> we'll move on to the next stage. Um, now that is tutorial. Uh, now <laughs> I'm also going to include setting up your controls here, because um, normally what happens in most MMOs, you end up with maybe even, say for instance, um, in Sotor, um, the entire first world you go to is basically the tutorial. And it, it takes about three or four hours to, to work through. And by then, you've got a, a, a decent grasp on the game. Um, as far as Elite's concerned, well, um, what, do, what, do, what do you guys think of the Elite tutorials? I mean, personally, I think they should be more joined up. But um... I, I would say the tutorial now is mm-hmm. the new player experience until you leave that little private bubble, yeah? Uh, I'd say so. That's if people know about the little private bubble. You don't have any choice but to know about the little private bubble when you first start. Now. True. I think it's they put an awful lot of work into this, and mm. it shows. I mean, yes, you could argue the spaceship and the on-foot stuff should be joined up, etc. like that. And perhaps it should, but I think what's happened is they've really improved the new player experience. Um, in terms of giving you an idea of how things work. Because when we first started, it was, oh, I'm in a ship, what what next? Um, I'm going to separate out the control findings at the start. But mm. uh, one question I do have, though, is perhaps the downside of the tutorials in Elite is have they moved the what the heck do I do next issue? Have they kicked that down the cat down the road? until people have kind of got out of the tutorial. Because uh, there isn't a main quest, and which is one of the elite strong points. You know, you're not Han Solo, you're not Luke Skywalker, you're not whoever. You're just a nobody. And that's what I'd actually like about Elite. On the bindings, I do actually know people who have brought the game, seen all the key bindings, and thought, screw that, I'm not doing that. And that has been a real quick moment. There's the amount of time it takes to do the bindings. Uh, Psychic. I would agree that the the um, the new player stuff is cracking, like the stuff that they have now. It's, even in comparison to when I started playing. So I started playing not long after Horizons had come out. So we had I had something at least to be able to fly around. Um, and but now it's so obvious the amount of care and attention that has been put into the new player experience and and that sort of that that general sort of new the new starting area. Um, that said, 
I still feel that um, I agree with with Katiana that it needs to be clearer yes. when the when you are going to leave the starting area. Like when you take those missions and you leave the starting area, I feel like that needs to be um, made a hell of a lot clearer to you. Um, as far as keybinds are concerned, I feel like I'm in a I'm in a decent position having gone from just using a controller to, and, and keyboard obviously but just using using a controller and my keyboard inputs with the pc to then moving on to a hotas i feel like i'm in a um in a position where i can i can talk a little bit more more about that in that i feel like the initially as a controller player the controls i didn't have to change a lot with the exception of mapping a few new controls that I didn't really want to um, go into menus to do, like chaff and things like that. With the exception of mapping a few of those to keyboard, because um, in a position to play on PC and able to to use them on the on the keyboard, that it made it really. The, I thought the keybinding thing for me, at least when I started, was one of the easiest things with. Um, with elite and i i'd not experienced anything like elite before i wasn't i wasn't a space game player really i didn't i hadn't really i i lived in a world of first person shooters and all of that was keyboard and mouse yeah um so it was it was there was a little bit of a learning curve but i feel like the um the keys were uh, and like keybinds was really really not um not a huge problem and i think that sort of like benefited me as i as i got my got my hotas because I'm still tweaking. I've had my OTAS for well over a year, year and a half, and I'm still tweaking buttons on the OTAS because I haven't found the right thing for it. What it's worth there, Si, uh, Paul Archer saying he's seven years in and he's still tweaking his... Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think, um, and especially when they when Frontier introduces new, new things, <laughs> then we have to keep tweaking it. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I'm, I'm the same boat as Mr. Archer. I'm... Uh, last week, I decided I'd try something different with the with my setup for the FSS scanner, and um, I found that basically I'd been using it. I'd, I found a better way of using it, so I'm, I'm now trying to unlearn the muscle memory for that, <laughs> which is always a bit of a pain. Um, we've got to also say thanks to uh, Happy Moon Monkey because they've said um, I started playing a year ago and used the controller. And he, I found the new player experience to be good because a lot of the control bindings appear on the screen when you hold certain button combinations. Um, I must admit, because we're veteran players and we haven't reset any of the uh, uh, of the accounts, I I think we don't know what the new experience, the new player experience, is at the moment. Um, we'll go back to Sean. I know. Oh, sorry. I know. I, yeah. I was going to say. I know. I very quickly. I know that I did it deliberately during the odyssey alpha and it hadn't it was yeah it was all right it was just pretty much the same as it was yeah i've I've had a new account like used a new odyssey account straight up since odyssey's been released and it's great i mean personally it's some of the names for the keybinds it's still confusing like when you do a ui switching you know, on the on the left and the right panel, on the up and down, uh, that whole thing, and especially in the SRV and things like that, you just don't want to mess with them because once you've got them right, you or you don't want to change them again. And the advice about backing up your keybinds before every major patch oh, is yeah. 
is a definite go because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get the easy ones, you know, like, oh, it tells you this is the button to go up, this is the button to go down, this is the fire, you know, the simple stuff is okay. But just the navigation around, some of the names that have come up for the, the keys is like, I haven't got a degree in user interface design, so what on earth do I mean by that kind of stuff? So, yeah, I mean the 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 main issue that we have with uh, the key banes is that I think for a newbie, there just a sheer amount of them is overwhelming. And um, but do you then... think that the change in Odyssey separating it out from key binds to general controls, ship controls, SRV, and on foot? Do you think that makes sense then, Colin? Oh, godsend. Godsend, because uh, basically when uh, when you go into Horizons and you look at the keybanes, you just got one massive list. And you just... I, I, I could just uh, remember a whole lot of people just looking at that massive list and just going, nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely... a. It was a quick moment. I think they've gone and improved it since, especially in Odyssey. But um, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Um, <laughs> yeah. So overall, I think on the first two points, Elite is doing quite well. Uh, but then we get to point three or C or the little dot with the little I. Um, anyway, there is the issue if you're playing in open of Seal Clubbers. And there's an awful lot of issues where, uh, especially in in MMO circles, it's known as a PvP gank box. <laughs> there are certain games which have that reputation. And Elite doesn't have that much of a reputation about it. But I think the fear of being ganked is um, a lot more of a threat rather than being ganked, if you see what I mean. But one of the games, which is is basically a PvP gank fest, you've been experiencing Psychic. A little bit, a little bit. Um, it's and and what I found what I found more um more interesting than not is like there are like with Elite, you you if you're a new player and you're streaming Elite, there are fifty people in your chat going. Let, hey, let me backseat you through this game, um, which yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of, obviously. But um, it, like with with Eve and Eve, in essence, is absolutely beautiful. If we're talking about keybinds, Eve is incredibly scary as far as keybinds <laughs> are concerned. However, this 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 mentality of these new players go out and people find them and kill them as new players and if they are upset about it well they just weren't there to play they they they're not it, this isn't the game for them if they're upset about me ganking them that's on them and not on me as a um as a seal clubber and um they they sh- shouldn't be so butthurt about it and it was like it, we sat down for a good half an hour and had a full conversation with it with a lot of like i would assume veteran eve players and one seal clubber um as well who was in was in chat and it, it's that mentality of well well the game wasn't for them if they didn't want to if they didn't want to get involved um 
after being after they prepared their ship exactly the way they wanted and then got destroyed if they then got destroyed and they didn't and they decided they they didn't want to play the game anymore because it was too much hassle with that that's on them that's not on me with being a, a much powerful ship going after this vulnerable person it's it's on that it's on the person who received the clubbing just because they they didn't take it particularly well and they decided that they it wasn't worth them putting in the effort and i just find that mentality absolutely wild I, I, and i i have been enjoying my time in eve that i've been been playing but there is something about that mentality of well that person oh it clearly it clearly wasn't for them it's that mentality of well why why do we need new players playing our game why why do we need that and well yeah of course we want to introduce new players to the game and get them get them enjoying it um it does happen it does happen in elite but it's it's a lot fewer and far between and you have if you do not wish to engage in that you have those ways out as well with um sort of um solo play and playing in a private group um if that private group has no no pvp in it that kind of thing which makes it makes it that much more accessible to those people who don't want those experiences and let's be honest why would you want that experience? What what's attractive about going out um, completely vulnerable and getting absolutely and utterly screwed over by somebody? Yeah, um, it's 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 a mentality I don't understand personally, and I'll I'll come back with my bit at the end. But uh, we'll go to Shan next. Uh, a couple of things um, for elite specifically. I've I've always thought open should be renamed free-for-all PvP because I think you look at the word open, you think, oh, you play with everyone and you kind of, it raises an expectation of they'll be happy for happy to see you and it's all going to be, you know, like the starter area. If you rename it free-for-all PvP, then that's a, that's a much more accurate description of what open play is. Oh. And, you can, and then you can then decide whether or not you want to run the risk of being got. Now, as someone who, I mean, I've done PvP, I can't say I seal club people in, in Elite, because it's, uh, I've been on the receiving end of that in other games, and it, it's not nice, particularly when you get super-leveled characters going back into the starter-ish areas, and you just got haven't got a hope in heck of getting them. Even if you had 20 of your mates with you, you're still going to get got. Mm. So, I, I, I don't like that particular aspect of the game, but I, my personal view is that if you let people know what they're in for and give them a choice to opt out, then I'm okay with that. Because you, you, apart from the initial starter area, which I think you have to be an open, don't you, in Elite? Um, if you give people the choice of opting out, either solo or private group with the mates, and then say, well, this is, for, this is, this is free for all PvP, it's, without being too rude, it's their own fault if they get killed in open because they know what they're letting themselves in for. Yeah, um, I understand where you're coming from with that, and like I said, I'll bring that up in my other points later. Um, ben? So I wanted to actually tell a story I had over the weekend where I was playing Star Citizen, which has been running an, a jump time event, which I guess it's a bit like a CG or something like that. It's it, the, the short version of it is go to a place, collect a box, take it onto your ship, do that until you feel that you don't want to do it anymore, Take your ship back to another place, sell it, profit. Yeah. But Star Citizen is all it's only open only. Uh yes. so there's no there's no groups or private groups or players 
You can't ban somebody like you can an elite. It's just, these people are here. Deal with it. Um, and 90-something percentage of the population in Star System that I've had dealings with have been really nice people and very helpful, bend over backwards. They'll literally, you know, they'll give you enough money to buy a new spaceship and things like that. Just as a random person, they'll just give you, here's money, buy a new spaceship kind of thing. Um, but over the weekend, I was doing this thing and everybody was queuing up in Jumptown to collect our drugs. Mm-hmm. And there was, a, there was a beautiful little queue at Tesco's to get your thing from the aisle Take you back to your ship, go back to go to the back of the queue, rinse and repeat. And everybody was talking away, and it was it was just like it is on a on a nice happy CG, right? And then there was a guy who, you know, I came in after doing this a couple of times, and there was a guy who was having problems, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I can't get this to work. It's you know, I can't get my my thing out." Uh huh. And getting more people in, so the queue was getting longer and longer and longer. Yep. And then all of a sudden, him and his mate turned their guns on everybody, assassinated us all, stole all the packages from our ships, destroyed all our ships, and then escaped off into the sunset. And then once they'd made good their escape, they said sorry. And I thought this was such a beautiful thing of social engineering that, that even though I lost, I lost a yeah. bunch of boxes and, you know, I lost about 30,000, 40,000 credits. So basically, you got honey trapped and destroyed and murdered at the same time. Well, me and about ten other people all got destroyed and murdered I mean, at the same time. But it was such—it was a really—it it was, it was such a clever trick. It was beautiful. I mean, that's the sort uh, of thing that Eve is famous for, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then I've, I've seen, you know, Commander Will and Kate. Uh, they're other streamers, anyway. Uh, and you know, they did—they were doing similar ideas where they were. They were basically doing full-on combined assaults, um, like sniping people and all that kind of stuff. But that's 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 their story, not mine. Right. Well, um, I mean, I've got two kind of stories to to, to tell about this. Um, now, Ben's already knows about this. I mean, there, there's a there was Jumpgate, which came out. Oh yeah. What? 20 years ago um, and actually they're, they're still it's still running they've, they've got one you got jump gate evolution running, though, don't you no that that got cancelled oh did that get killed okay. yeah i got killed off that that took down um quite a lot of stuff which um yes it's, it's quite actual painful subject because it was supposed to come before elite dangerous and would have been a kind of mini elite dangerous at the time but um less said that about that the better but in the original Jump Gate, it was a space-based, Newtonian-based physics um, MMO. And the thing was, when I joined it, there was nothing to protect the new players whatsoever. So basically, you had your two-week trial. And what happened is you signed up for your two-week free trial uh, and basically launched uh, after going through the tutorials and stuff like that. And it, it seemed quite a nice... Um, Nice models seem to be very Elite Dangerous-like, which is what I was looking for at the time. Launched, boom. They're just People just hanging around the, st- the space station, just wiping out any newbie that came out. Nothing. And after two weeks of just not even able to launch, I just went, it came up with the prompt saying, okay, you've had your two-week free trial. Do you want to sign up for, I think it was um, $9.99 a month for, for this? And I went, just went, no, 
wiped it completely off my um, completely off my screen. Now there's nothing. Um, obviously, the the should have been protection in the game from uh, for for new players. I think, which was one of the reasons why they put the newbie area in an elite, but it, it just completely and utterly killed you off. You know, any motivation of wanting to play the game, and every time you see one of these uh, seal club as an elite hanging around either Desia or uh, just hanging around outside the newbie area, you just get feel like that. Why are you trying to destroy the game that you're playing? Because we need new players. The question around that, and I was going to come on to that, Colin, as well. The question around that, though, is whose fault is that? Is it the the seal clubber, or is it the fault of the game for not having sufficient consequences for seal clubbing? Because the, one of the things that spring to mind was Age of Conan many years ago, is when I was leveling with that, and I leveled on a PvP um, server, because that's where people I knew were, and you'd be speaking to a quest NPC and someone would just go and kill your character because you're talking to an NPC. And there was no defense, there was no consequences for just killing people. And it was it killed so many people's experience of that game, they just left. Yeah. Um and then later on, Funcom they put super strong NPCs near the quest NPCs. So if someone attacks you, they'd get got. So they changed slightly changed the mechanic to make it uh, less you know, dis- disincentivize that. So with the lead, I would say the crime and punishment system still has a long way to go to disincentivize seal clubbing. I I actually completely agree with you on that, but I'm afraid to say that's a that's a big subject for another time. Crime and punishment. Um, ben, back to you. What's this about New World? So New World does something I think that's actually very very clever. Uh, they don't have PvP servers and PvE servers like other games. Mm-hmm. It's everything's all on the one server, but then you basically you you can elect like you can on a PvP server and WoW. You can say I'm I'm flagged PvP or I'm not. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that they do in New World is you get some very well paying and good rewards um, PvP only missions. Which obviously encourages you to go off and do some, at least be flagged for PvP, even if you're doing PvE content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I, I like and I appreciate the fact that even as a PvEer, you're encouraged to put yourself out there. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I do like open power play, is because power play does allow you to have PvP interactions. But if you're in open power play, there's an unspoken unspe- uh, rule that you know what to expect. You know that players are going to come after you because you go, you work for a different power, and that that is when I find PvP and in a, in some cases seal clubbing acceptable. But I signed up for that. I know what the risks are, and I don't think a lot of people know what those <laughs> those things are. Um, what would be your take on open-only community goals? Actually, I think that's a step too far because uh, community goals are something separate. Uh, I would only want open-only on um, a particular this particular open uh, 
only on power play. And even then, I've changed my mind a little bit, saying that, no, maybe more of a weighted um, approach is needed so to try and encourage people into open. But I do think that CGs and um, maybe some of the... Yeah, normal mission running. No, keep that uh, in your multiple uh, multiple play styles. Uh, Chad, what's that about PDP? Well, I was going to since we're talking about other games, and I'm sorry, lots of people can be really drunk by the end of the show. <laughs> but but um, with the Guild Wars franchise, um, what the way they incentivized PDP was to make it a compelling different game experience so basically you the white world and guild was one was you had guild versus guild you had like a team deathmatch all sorts of things like that we associate with pvp but they were separate from the main game however you won rewards and emotes and all the other stuff like that for, do, and for doing it. So, in other words, they said, okay, we'll let people have PvE, they can go and be happy in Happy Land as much as they want, but here is this compelling gameplay, here are these compelling activities that are enjoyable, that you can do instead, and for Guild Wars 2, they have a mass PvP um, between three servers called World vs. World vs. World. We're up to, I think it's 200 people from each server, so up to 600 people compete for strategic objectives on a huge map and it's basically sieging castles and all sorts of stuff like that so that is an amazing experience and because it's the only place where you can do pvp against players it's really compelling really competitive and balanced around that where pvp with pve is separate and so i think i prefer that kind of here's some compelling great gameplay that's PvP only, and if you like, let the Care Bears look after themselves. Well, um, that's pretty much... Um, <laughs> I think we've covered that one quite um, deeply, to be honest. Now, the other two uh, areas, I think we can actually leave these until next week, because I've just seen the time, and, and it's marched on, and we've got a few other things to talk about. So... Um, yeah. Shall we name what they are to make people have a reason? Yeah, the, the, the other two sections are reputation, which is basically the reputation of, of a game. Some people will hear that, you know, have you tried this Elite Dangerous? Oh, no, it's a gank fest. Or, oh, no, it's it's been um, a bad... Yeah, especially with Od- Odyssey's bad release. Um, reputation for Elite is not as good as it has been. Um and of course, the other one is things for long-term players to do. It's just, um, yeah, with elite people burn out. They get they basically run out of things to do, or they basically it doesn't hold their interest anymore. And yeah, that's that's the other uh, quit point, I think. Uh, Shan, do you want to bring a, a quick summary on those? Well, I, I wasn't going to go into them in detail, but what I was going to say is that everyone's quit point is different for a game mm-hmm. but there's also no shame in quitting a game because everyone stops playing a game at some point in time and so if, if what we've said oh this is our quit point this is not that's fine that's this is our view yours may be different you might love silk clothing you might love being 
club to death in a game. That might be what gets you going. So it, it, it's, it's different for different people. And I don't think it's because one thing we talked about in Discord very quickly was how many games have you brought versus how many games have you actually finished? And I think with my own ratio, I buy way more games than I've actually finished. And yes, you can say you wasted your money, but hey, I've got enjoyment, sufficient enjoyment out of them. It doesn't keep me awake. So it's purely a personal thing. Excellent. Um, Psychic, do you want one last thing? Yeah. Um, I It's... It's funny. It's funny because it it sometimes it sometimes feel a little feels a little bit like we're trying to maybe we're we're trying to say oh go play a different game don't play elite anymore but that's definitely not what the situation is. <laughs> I just want want to clarify that elite is lovely and I really do still enjoy playing it and I'm sure everyone everyone does. But we we did there are people who who step away from games as well and things and, and, and things like that. And that's perfectly, that's perfectly understandable. And also not something that anybody should feel pressurized into doing, which I think sometimes, sometimes comes across, especially in this community a little bit, um, sometimes comes across, not, not necessarily from anybody here. I'm not saying, but there are, there are certain people who are like, no, 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 you must quit. Cause I am also quitting um and yes i've got that i i genuinely i genuinely feel you get you get your own enjoyment and um he, i'm sure i'm sure frontier will start saying things again soon so please keep playing <laughs> yeah um quickly ben i think that's one of the best things that frontier have done is the fact it's not a subscription game oh god Absolutely, yeah. I, can, yeah. I can i can take a break i can play rimworld for a week or a month and elite will still be there i might have to go through half an hour of updating it again, but it'll still be there, and I don't have to go through the whole please pay us nine ninety nine if you want to get back in and play with your character. Yeah, because that's one of the, the sticking points for me going back to SOTOR properly. It's because I don't want to play as one of the premier players. I want to play as a, a sub player. Because yeah. you, you just lose so much. But the difference between the two is it, it practically makes the game unplayable at the level I'm at. So I'd, I've got to sub again. And the thought of spending an extra, what, 20 quid for 60 days, I'm just there thinking, can I justify it? Will I get enough time out of it? And the answer is no, partly because of Elite and Mass Effect. And You'd get more time spent out of Disney Plus, wouldn't you, for less money? Uh, and yes, and at the moment I am getting a lot more out of Disney Plus. Uh, even though I've got to catch up with the Mandalorian, no, Boba Fett. Fett. Book, book yeah. of Boba Fett. Yeah. Yes. Oh, the, that Moonlight series. Looks- it looks really. I'm really Sorry. excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, well, we're we're going to go on. Uh, we will actually. It's it's a good point to uh, to come back. We can discuss the re- uh, the reputation and the long term player uh, quitting point uh, at a later show. Uh, but in the meantime, the community corner for this week, well, we haven't got much, but what we have got is absolutely fantastic. Um, the first ever Hydra solo kill in a Sidewinder. Uh, this this is amazing. We have a one guy, um, it's, it's posted by Astrian uh, on YouTube. We have included the link in the, in the show notes. And he's managed to take out a Hydra with a Sidewinder. And wow, 
I mean, I've watched most of it. It's a good half an hour video, and he's he's cut it down because the actual fight took a lot longer than half an hour. Uh, but amazing, sort of chef's kiss, golden joystick award. What amazing, Shan? Uh, yeah, I've seen that as well. I mean, if there was such a thing as a gold laser ready blue beater badge, I think he would <laughs> he would earn that. A uh, quick question: though, Has anyone? Solo killed a Hydra in an adder because that would be the one thing I think that would convert Colin to the joys of the adder. Is oh, no, no. I very much Hydra. doubt that. <laughs> no, I am not. You just don't put that out there because someone will then say, "Yes, I've done it." Here's the video evidence. Just so like they totally, did. totally impressed with doing it in a sidewinder, but um, it would bring even more amazement for me if you could do it in an adder and put it on video and make a screenshot of it and we could send it to Colin every week. All you would get would get, you'd get an annoyed Colin. You wouldn't get me, I'm not agreeing to flying about in an adder this time. There's, there's two top shifts episodes where I've had to suffer the adder because of this and I'm not doing any more. So, no. <laughs> um, our mostly clueless section. Well, um, from the bio trader. Uh, you can listen to Galnet like a podcast or music. The player has a, a Galnet player of its own on the right panel, and the stories are very good and help pass the time. Um, take it. Or you could head to YouTube and you could check out Galnet News Digest because <laughs> they read news so you don't even have to listen to it in game. You know, I always thought that player, I just wish you could actually set up that player to to link to a directory which could play MP3s. Yeah, that'd be cool. But you can I mean, I don't want to sound I don't want to sound wild here, Colin, but just open Spotify. Yeah, or right. even even better, Colin, how about linking it to an XML file? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So if you want to listen to the in-game Galnet news, um, then that's that's one of the best ways to do it. Uh, and moving on to any other business, um, well, obviously, a big news story dropped today. Uh, Microsoft has acquired Activision Blizzard for $68.9 billion, uh, billion. I'm My head is practically exploding at that. Um, Chan, I take it you wanted to say something? Well, I was going to say it was kind of inevitable, really. Uh, if well, it wasn't Microsoft, it would be someone else buying them, like Sony or something. So it's coming to the phase, I think, where we'll see a big consolidation of games companies under larger publishers. And Frontier want to be, wanted to be in that space of being a publisher one. But I, I don't know. I mean, Blizzard have a good reputation amongst players. Yes, they do some things pretty badly but in general people's views of blizzard are positive i would suggest um activision are they what do you think views of blizzard are positive oh, please elaborate up until last summer people's views of activision of blizzard were fairly positive weren't they? Yeah, I'm, I'm... but <laughs> I, I what we were saying about reputation to be fair, I haven't followed Blizzard products for the last while, but when I've played Blizzard product other than WoW, I've actually enjoyed it. StarCraft I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. I, I've, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed Blizzard products. I mean, even Overwatch was fun for a while. Have Blizzard actually released anything up, 
anything recently. No. Overwatch 2 has been delayed by like a third year or something. Yeah. Right. And uh, I think Diablo 4 is supposed to be coming out soon. Yes, yeah, I enjoyed Diablo 3, you see. So, I mean, yes, I'm, I am obviously completely out of date with my views of Blizzard, and, you know, it, it shows, certainly. But I don't know. It's just kind of like, I, I think they, I think there are worse games companies out there. But, hey, what do I know? Obviously. Um, yeah, I th- if, you, if you go on to a lot of gaming sites and ask or, or just see what the reaction has been to the to the Blizzard controversies that have been happening, it's... it's Can you yeah, give us an example? Uh, basically, a lot of bro culture there, a lot of... How uh, um, <laughs> shall I put this? Um, people being discriminated against, someone... Uh, ended up committing suicide over the fact that the the the, uh, the bro culture was that bad. Um, Psychic, you got a lot more in it. I no, I can't. I can't. I yeah. If Psychic goes, she's gonna go. Yeah, trust me, Shan. Um, it's it's bad. It it really is bad. It's not just some uh, willy uh, wishy washy snowflakes kicking up a fuss. It is actually quite bad. All uh, right. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's and in my opinion, the, the, in my opinion, it's the the treatment that they're getting. I feel is deserved in a little way because of because of the way they've acted. As far as Activision is concerned, well, it's Activision, which I think lost its soul quite a long time ago. But yeah, who do you think's next? I think Square Enix is going to get stolen by Sony. I think's the next one. I think so. That that would be that that would be my um, my next guess. Which is going to be bad because that means it's going to take even longer for Final Fantasy games to come out on PC. How many of these companies, and in what percentages does Tencent also? Mm, Interesting one. Um, Tencent have big. Well, we we know about their connection with Frontier. But yeah, I also but I know they've got things in a lot of other game companies. Yeah, I believe they're part of. I believe they own part of Suncom as well. Should I, I mean, know who Suncom is? I mean, Tencent are absolutely massive, and nobody really knows about it, do they? Yeah, well, they know about it in a vague idea, but I mean, it, it kind of falls into the whole "why can you never get a McFlurry" thing, and the reason why you can't get a McFlurry is because essentially McDonald's and the ice cream makers are essentially the same company. And the ice cream maker basically makes all their money from people doing service plans. Yeah. So it's in the owners of both of these companies' things to not have the ice cream making machines work. Yeah. It, it's, it's nice to know that EA, for once, has not considered the most evil company. <laughs> not not saying that they're, they're not evil. I'm just thinking they're not evil as. <laughs> No, not overtly evil. I mean. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll move on from from there. Um, also, I'd just like to to point out um, the the gentleman we got the um, the main topic from, Josh, uh, Josh Strife Hayes. He's done a very nice um, video about what NFTs really are, and <laughs> I must admit, I thought they were just going to be another sort of Bitcoin thing. I didn't realize. Actually, they're a lot more of a scam than Bitcoin could ever be. We need a lay radio NFT. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we hold the copyright. Oh, you get the NFT. <laughs> well, 
that's all an NFT is anyway. Exactly. You know, I could but, say, and then, you know, Katiana could go off and give me however much money for me to say her name in the live stream, and that could be an NFT. But everybody else is getting that NFT, and everyone else is getting me saying Katiana. It's just that Katiana can say that Ben said Katiana or something like that. It's well, phenomenal. You'd sell a position in the queue to sell Katiana, wouldn't you? Yes. Psychic, do you want to jump in there? I'd, I'd love to. I'd love for you to keep talking about my sister in the way that you're talking, but her, the way you pronounce her name is Katiana. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah there you go. The, the Y comes before the T. Okay, Katiana, we do apologise. <laughs> but Katiana that... sounds so much more exotic, doesn't it? But the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, every time I get something wrong, every time I mispronounce someone's name, they're supposed to. T- everyone's supposed to take a drink. We're all supposed to be catatonic by this point. No, what do you mean catatonic? <laughs> uh, apparently, the Chris Mark Four selling uh, is saying that he's going to sell multiple clips of multiple end NFTs of me saying woohoo. <laughs> yeah. You sounded more enthusiastically. I mean, I hope you don't go to Mrs. Collins and say woohoo like that. And there are personal lines. That we do not cross yet again, right? Um, well, moving on from there, I think um, has anybody else got any other business that they'd like to bring up before I close the show out? Going once, going twice, right? Okay, our shout-outs. First of all, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio. It broadcasts on a Thursday at eight thirty. Could tune in at Twitch.tv/slash Hutton Orbital Truckers. Or if you just want the audio, go to Radio.forthemug. For the discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action, check out the CQC Discord at discord.me/slash Elite Dangerous CQC. We are also giving shout outs to the following Elite Dangerous podcasts, which are Allograb AM, Black Sky Legion, the Canon podcast, the Spanish speakers have the Elitic podcast, there's a Fatherhood podcast, Flight Assist, Guard Frequency, uh, Loose Screws, Stay Cheesy, Squeaking Fuel, and uh, System Chat. For those that want a literary discussion about sci fi and fantasy books, there's also the Data Slate podcast, which is provided by Station Commander Alan Stroud. Now, following this, we have the latest Galnet News Digest, as provided by Commander Wotherspoon and Commander Beetlejude. And thanks to anybody who's chipped in in the Twitch chat and in a, any in-game commanders that Ben has has waved at. Have you waved at many people? I've been I've been waving my things at Commander Alexiex and Miggles this evening, and Chris Chris Mark Four is here too. Is that a, is that a segue to woohoo, Ben? No, we, we've just been saluting each other. Lift's taken! <laughs> yeah. Well, and the only dangerous they don't allow you to share a lift, unfortunately. Yes. This could be why. So much for loving an elevator, eh? <laughs> <laughs> ah, fantastic. Aerosmith song, that. Anyway, special thanks to Commander Tokasaw, uh, JN Traxon, and of course, Alan Stroud, who have created music that uh, have been used in this show. And that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. Do get in touch if you want to get uh, do get in touch if you want to talk with us. Uh, you can email at info at laveradio.com, hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio, tweet us at laveradio, or you can join the Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. Um, we also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, and you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. 
do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and streamed out at laveradio.com. So thanks to Ben, thanks to Shan, and thanks, of course, to Psychit. And special thanks uh, goes to today's tech specialist, uh, Putnik Santiago, which I think is a fant- I still think is a fantastic name. Um, so until next time, commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Is your life like this? Someone's having an origin certainty. <laughs> <laughs> Need a safe word. Galnet News Digest, 18th of January, 3308. We read the news, so you don't have to. In this week's news, we look at progress in removing Thargoids. We catch up on races and time trials, and we find out if anyone really cares about Zemina's attempt to muscle in on Kane Massey. Four weeks ago, just before Salvation fired his super weapon, 21 systems were suffering from Thargoid incursion. This week, the week in which Aegis is being shut down, there are just 11. But was this the work of Salvation? Can he take the credit? The super weapon, which Ramtar believes uses a powerful electromagnetic pulse to disable Thargoid technology, was deployed by Salvation and Taurus Mining Ventures, in three systems in the Pleiades, and it very effectively cleared the Thargoids out. Since then, Salvation has done nothing, yet the number of incursions has been steadily decreasing, not by the deployments of weapons of mass destruction, but by a steady process of attrition by pilots in ships armed with conventional anti-Zeno technology. Salvation cleared out three systems, but in the four weeks following, independent pilots have cleared out seven. The Thargoids have been putting up a much stiffer fight than usual. 
with reinforcements arriving continuously, but with a persistent attitude, humanity can still win through. With no new Thargoid incursions since mid-December, and with significant progress to remove the Thargoids from in seven of the remaining eleven systems, we could easily have no systems left under Thargoid incursion by the middle of February. Steady progress is also being made on repairing starports damaged by the Thargoids, with just 14 stations left needing repair or under repair. Salvation has been muttering about coming up with a solution that will wipe out Thargoids forever. And if he doesn't hurry up and deliver it, his super weapon, Mark II, is going to be irrelevant, with no systems left with a Thargoid presence anyway. Unless, that is, Salvation is actually, as some people believe, luring the Thargoids to attack human-occupied systems, in which case Salvation is part of the problem. With the superpowers setting up their own separate anti-Thargoid navies, it's hard to be sure what role there will be for Salvation. Yet he seems to be gradually gaining acceptance by many who are willing to help him, and by the superpowers. Perhaps he is right that only he can save humankind. Or perhaps he's a menace we will regret having helped in the months and years to come. The Buckyball Racing Club has beaten itself in the race to create new challenges. No sooner had Commander Alec Turner advertised a proposal for a marathon set of races than Commander Bruski jumped in with a joint Buckyball New Pilots Initiative event, and Bruski finished first. The New Pilots Hustle was an eight stations in any order you like time trial, incorporating some of the loop around the station acrobatics for which the elite racers are better known. Results have not yet been finalised, but many of the usual names are on the results board, with Shea Blackwood looking likely to take the Open Unlimited prize, Darplate 94 the Regulation Eagle, Hunter the New Pilot Special, and Bob Dubrovnik the Type 9 Heavy Metal Special. Meanwhile, the Magic 8-Ball Championship is still in development. It'll consist of eight reruns of classic buckyball races held at monthly intervals throughout 3308. Commander Turner apparently believes that there will be only eight months in 3308, or perhaps he has insider knowledge about when the Horizon cockpit viewers will be replaced by the newer Odyssey version. All of the eight-ball championship races will be run using the Horizon system, partly to make sure that everyone can enter, and partly because the races were originally designed around terrain features as they appear using Horizons. The plan is that an overall season winner will be decided from the top five scores from the eight races. Meanwhile, the Canon Speed Scanning Championship has come to an end, with JJ Goldberg, Alex Turner and Alexa with three X's, each managing to scan an awful lot of vegetables very quickly indeed. They will all receive a lovely Canon medal and a not-so-lovely Canon sample flask, full of Thargoid offal. The attempt by Torval Mining to muscle in on federal territory doesn't seem to be going as well as mummified matriarch Zamina Torval might have wanted. With Kane Massey basing their appeal at Smithport, close to the main star in the Dulos system, it may be that contributors just find it easier to drop off their cargo there, rather than travelling 1,500 light seconds to the Pride of Bitterwood. There are no fancy mining lasers on offer this time, 
just a small discount on mining equipment and inflated prices for gallite, bromelite and samarium, two of which can easily be collected in great quantities from the relatively close pristine A-ring of LFT-65 Planet 4, with only about 1,300 participants in the Kane Massey appeal and half that number helping Torval. It's only a few hours' work to get into the top 25% of either appeal. Meanwhile, the top 75% of the 16,000 participants in the Brewer-sponsored Colonia Bridge Phase 3 initiative will have to wait a bit longer for their frameshift drive rewards. Brewer had inexplicably not anticipated the number of participants and has had to place further orders with Mel Brandon, Felicity Farseer and Elvira Martuk with his handcrafted and extremely hard-to-come-by modules. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.